Production. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 420. My name is Eric Nilsson, and with me today I have my co-host John White. Today is Wednesday, January 31st. John, how are you doing? Doing really well, doing really well. I, I have absolutely nothing to report about the color of the bay today, but I did drive home last night um, across the uh, San Mateo Bridge. Full moon, whatever that, that crazy full moon is called, and black water. It was it was amazing and beautiful. Yeah, it's been a really nice weather. We've we've gotten the kind of an Indian winter or something where it's been just beautiful, sunny and yeah. 65, 70s. So our complaint last week on the podcast where it was too cold, it's no longer too cold. Yeah, we both wore jackets into the podcasting studio, and it's about 85 degrees in here. On the show today, we're doing a VExpert blogger show, and we've got kind of a developer theme going on. We've got Scott Diver. Or Scott Driver, uh, he runs the Virtual VT uh, blog, and he's going to be talking about take your next step with PowerShell. So uh, we have Scott on the call, and then we also have uh, Joseph Griffith. Griffith uh, virtual runs the blog Virtual Me, and he's got a great, interesting blog on basic NSX setup using REST API. So uh, we have both of those on the both of those guys on the call today. Uh, so focusing on uh, the Blogbeat bloggers that are in the blogger program. So pretty excited to have them here today. But before we get going with those guys, we do a, maybe five minutes on the news and what's happening um, at VMware. So let's see, news. Uh, VMware and Dell Technologies have been making noise. I don't know if you've noticed the stock price, but the reverse buy, buy, maybe they're going to buy us, we're going to buy them, maybe Pivotal's going to go. Just, it's just a crazy week when it comes to it Dell is. news. It, it's more like Dell rumors, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. People yeah. have uh, lots yeah. of things to speculate about. And, uh, yeah. and, of course, like stock prices move and we try to completely ignore any yeah. of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I would say is that we're focused on uh, finishing our end of a quarter. Our quarter ends in another few days. We'll probably be in news blackout, so I'm not even sure we're supposed to be even talking about it. But I just say that we're focused on our business, right, as always. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so that's, what, that's, uh, that's been in the news. Uh, other things, VMworld call for papers February 15th through March 13th. So interested in uh, presenting at VMworld, definitely now is the time to be thinking about that. Come up with your ideas. February 15th through March 13th will be the open t- season for paper submissions. And remember, if you are a little bit concerned about not getting your paper in, we will be doing the VMTN papers again this year, the, the V Brown Bag uh, papers, uh, which we will be selecting um, post selection from VMworld. So if you don't make it into VMworld, it's still worth doing your submission because we get all those submissions and then we'll reach out. And we did get budget for passes again this year. So if you need a way to get to VMworld and pay for the show, we don't pay your airlines, but we do. We have we gave out maybe 20 or 30 passes on an as-need basis last year. So And we plan on doing it again this year. So get your papers in. There are, there are quite a, there's quite a, quite a crowd for uh, for those uh, presentations too. I sat in on a couple, you know, 30 people, you know, I think I sat in on the very last one. Yeah, um, it was, it was busy. And uh, in previous years we, we've had like two, three people in the audience, but now that we've got them in session builder, oh, yeah. um, you know, there was standing room only. And I think we counted the number of people that sat in seats throughout the four days and it was over 6,000, you know, we call them butts and seats. Yeah. Even the quality of the yeah. content was a lot better as well. Much, much higher. 
Yeah. So uh, looking forward to that. So, you know, come up with some cool ideas. If you don't make it in the main show, we're always interested in the community ideas and the cool stuff that everybody's been doing. So, and, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to that again, and that will be on. Um, Corey, I know you have some VExpert news. Maybe you should chat about that for yeah. a second. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just got three, three updates uh, for everybody here. Um, just wanted to say thanks for everyone who joined us for the web webinar this morning. Uh, Martin Smith and myself uh, held a webinar this morning. We uh, demoed vexpert.vmware.com. Uh, we went through the application process as well as a little overview of vexpert. So anyone who attended that, thank you. Um, for vexpert 2018, we're currently in the voting stage. Just wanted to put that out there as a reminder to everybody. Uh, we expect to have voting done uh, mid to late February. And then the last piece of news, I wanted to give a shout out to, to Edward uh, lately, and he's text I will on Twitter. And this is a vExpert community give back. Um, Edward went out and ported uh, VSM for Linux, um, ported it from, you know, into Linux. So you can now use VSM on your Linux machines. Uh, so if you want to reach out to Edward and kind of figure out how to, how to do that, how to get a hold of that, he's got a GitHub repository for it. Um, so reach out to Edward, text I will on Twitter. And that's all I got for today. All right, nice, nice. I know that we are also doing um, some VMTN network member slash blog beat activities. So if you're part of that program, uh, stay tuned. We are getting ready to launch some of our community as a service objects, which will allow us to cross-expose blog articles from your blogs into the, the corporate blogs. So that, that's uh, ready to go. I think we're within about three weeks of uh, starting to run some of those. So if you're in that program, you're building a blog, and you want to get blog, your blog articles in line, with our corporate blogs, right? Whether it's uh, virtual blogs or the vSphere uh, vSphere blog, uh, if you're in that program, watch out. Uh, also, we'll be communicating with you guys to start populating your blog article, blog articles into our content server. So, cool stuff going on there. So, watch out for that. That's a really exciting way to get your articles broadcast to a larger audience. I, we actually have a tool inside VMware to, you know, uh, for people to share that on Twitter and. Uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, it's it's a pretty cool rebroadcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yep, and it, it is good. So, and we will also be doing call for a particular blog co content that we can showcase on different blogs. And so, instead of corporate blogs just being all written by you know corporate marketing agencies, right, <laughs> who don't really run data centers, um, this allows us to, you know, selectively pick really cool content. And on that vein, uh, today we, you know, as part of the BlogBeat program, we're trying to reach out to the experts that are doing really cool blogs and bring them on the show and get them exposure and get them traffic to cool things that they're writing about. So we'll start with Scott Driver. So Scott, welcome to the show. You run the virtual VT blog uh, and you did a really neat blog. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yep. So we, as we always get started, uh, maybe you could take maybe two minutes and say, who are you? Uh, how long have you been working in the VMware ecosystem? Where do you work today? What, do you, what can you tell us about yourself? Uh, and then tell us a little bit about how you became a blogger. Sure. So again, thank you. Um, I've been in IT in various operations roles since about 2000. Uh, currently running a really great team uh, in northern Vermont, hence the VT part of my blog, uh, ah. running IT for a local credit union. And uh, VMware, I've been, I was trying to figure this out earlier today, been working with it since probably uh, 2005. And since we're talking about PowerShell today, um, 
think I've been on the Power CLI train for about five or six years. Nice. And then as, nice. as for yeah. the blog, um, last year I was uh, working on updating my VCP and I couldn't find any study resources for the Delta exam. So I just started taking my own notes and, you know, taking bits and pieces off other blogs and the documentation and over time had a lot of information and I, I couldn't figure out how to share it. So I just figured, well, it's time to finally start a blog, hence virtual VT. Nice, nice. Um, and I know you're, you've become super wealthy because of this now, right? So I appreciate <laughs> you dropping back from Bora Bora just to kind of, you know, spend time with us, right? Because blogging <laughs> is one of those things that just makes you tons of money. <laughs> so, uh, you can't imagine uh, the amount of bling I've got up here in Vermont. There you go. So, um, you know, we were looking at really interesting articles, and uh, we know that you uh, also went to the Boston uh, Fall VMUG in the, in the fall um, and, and did some presentations. Talk a little bit. Why don't you uh, give us some insight on there and what, what you experienced uh, at, at that event? Yeah, so it actually stemmed from VMworld. Uh, I was lucky enough to participate both in a breakout session and in the VMTN community sessions this past year, and um, it was a really great experience. So the guys down in Boston uh, had me down to speak about PowerCLI, and the intention of the talk was really to to take people from starting at ground zero. We started off with an example of new-vm, and then we worked our way all the way up into some moderately complicated workflows. But as I started going along, uh, the questions, um, they changed and the puzzle looks started coming out. And after talking with folks afterwards, um, it, it seemed to me that there was a really great opportunity to take a step back and focus on some of the operators who maybe didn't have that much of a development background and go back to some basics and some techniques that I've learned over the years that have helped me out and can maybe help them make that next step. So that's where the article came from. Yeah, that's I, I kind of looked at your article and I and we have been experiencing this from some of the polls that we've done that I've mentioned on the code program where uh, what we're seeing is a trend for IT practitioners to start to really take automation serious, right? And definitely if you think about it, uh, over time, everybody's going to have to have automation to deploy your your, your infrastructure. Right? Yeah, as as we're using force magnification, right? One person doing more, right? Uh, and uh, and some of the low level tasks being automated, you know, right. and more and more and more. And and we see the surveys coming back going, yeah, you know, two million IT practitioners we have in our community, they're all looking at. I need to shift to the right. If it's a curve on the mm -hmm. left, you have just IT practitioners, and then in the far right, you have engineering, right? right. Um, you're seeing people wanting to shift to the center ground where they can automate, they can maybe talk to engineers about automating. They're not really ready to like uh, build complete automation through code, right, that's embedded in applications, but they are looking at how to, how to move to, in that direction. Right, right. right. So um, I think what was interesting about your blog, Scott, is you, you noticed this, and then you realized that the audience members that are listening to your talk and at the UserCon were IT practitioners that didn't come from an engineering perspective. And so you realized you had to kind of tailor some of the information back into a way that IT practitioners could kind of learn this and start absorbing this, right? Exactly correct. And I couldn't agree with you guys more. Uh, and, and I do think as practitioners, we all realize that there's a big shift going on. 
And part of what I really love about PowerShell and PowerCLI is I think it's got a lower barrier to entry and a much faster ramp up time than um, you know, looking at REST APIs, for example. If you're new to code and you start looking at REST APIs, that can be really daunting. Whereas if you look at something that's like a new VM commandlet, new VM, most everybody should be able to figure that out. So yeah, you guys are exactly correct. I tried to take that step back and and kind of go back to basics a little bit. And that's, I've got a few articles that are in a similar vein to that. Right, so I'll do a shout out to your 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 blog. It's https colon slash slash virtualvt.wordpress.com. So if you guys uh, listening want to go go check that out, you can. And uh, the the article that we're talking about is take your next step with PowerShell, which I love your topic in that it's kind of not right, right, because the article is really maybe step back and figure out some of the core components of being able to program in PowerShell versus just in straight line scripting, right, right. 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 Um, so I'm not I'm not taking on your topic because it, I, I looked at it and liked it. But then when I got into it, I realized what you're doing is trying to teach really you know straight programming techniques and having people understand what those are before they get into actually writing more complex stuff. And maybe it is taking it to the next level. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about your blog article. There's a couple sections in there that I find interesting. Uh, maybe we should start with expressions and sub-expressions. Uh, why don't you take us through that? Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. I think one of the hardest parts about coming up with articles other than you know, coming up with the idea generation is actually titling it. So, yeah, it's taking a step back to fundamentals, but hopefully by doing that you're taking your skills a step forward. Um, so and yeah, you know, we all we all do that, right? We all we all do that at the same time. So it's a good subject. Yeah. I think expressions. Um, you know, I was during the talk. I started getting into a little bit more complicated examples, and you could see the quizzical looks. Um, but in my mind, it's uh, you combine expressions, which harken back to mathematical uh, expressions. You know, it's just order of operations. If you combine that with the PowerShell pipelining, uh, you can really get some some powerful tasks automated in a in a rather easy form. So, um, wanted to show a couple examples in the blog of here's a really basic one. Let's take a a hash table array and and use the expression to just pull out an array element. But then uh, later on in that section, I gave an example of a really convoluted piece of code where even looking at it today, I'm not sure exactly how I pulled this thing together, but it's all sub-expressions. Okay. Um, so sub-expressions, I, um, I think you have some, some nice examples on your blog that kind of take you into what they, what they are. Um, the next thing that you you take us through, and I don't want to give away you know the whole article. I think you got to go read it to kind of see you know what what expression is and how you're using them. Uh, but they're wrapped in you know ifs uh, you know if this then that, and you have to know what the expression is, right? So you have some pretty good examples there. Um, next one was functioning, right? And you know why do functions? Why don't you take us through what you're talking about there? And and this is another one where 
people started looking at me like, what are you talking about? But really all the function is, is being able to take a blob of code that does a task and you name it, um, and you're making it more modular, more portable. Um, Reusable too. Exactly correct. And and that's really all it is, is you're, you're kind of denormalizing it, making it more portable and reusable. Um, yeah. And uh, it it stops you from having you know 500 lines of code in your in your thing, right? And right. which I'm guilty of because I tend to just you know use VI, yank a bunch of lines, and then put them again and change it. Then yank them again and put them again and change it. <laughs> yank them again. So then I have like 50 instances of the same code because I'm too lazy or I don't understand functions enough. And the syntax of actually making the functions, right? So I think you do a pretty nice job in your blog of kind of given the syntax of creating the function, which is good because I think it is that next level to actually make nice, clean code and maintainable code, right? Because then you only have one place to fix it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so. I couldn't agree more. And it kind of bleeds into the next topic on the post, splatting, which is, you know, another means of creating cleaner code. But one thing I wanted to touch on quickly before we move on is each of these topics, you know, I was just trying to, to brush the surface to give folks a little bit of an idea. You can take functions uh, pretty far. You can start doing error checking and all kinds of things with parameters. I really just kind of wanted to show a little bit about the power that you can get into as you're taking those next step and the step after. Right, right, yep, yep. And I mean, that's that's the nice thing about this is it gives you something to read and it, you're exposed to a little bit of learning from the community. And then I think that, uh, you know, you're on Twitter, so if people have questions about it, they can they can tweet to you and I'm sure you'll explain anything else that they're confused with. So it's, it's a yes, it's good, sir. nice, yeah. Yep. I forgot that. Nice uh, yeah. I forgot to plug the Twitter at the beginning. It's VT, again, in terms of Vermont, VT Snowboarder 42. Right. I was right. going to ask if that was you. Yeah, VT <laughs> Snowboarder 42, which I think is at the top of your blog, too. So it's right there. If you, if you make it to his blog, virtualvtwordpress.com, um, you will see that it's at VT Snowboarder 802, right at the top of the blog. Okay, splatting. Yeah. i got to say, I this term before, so I read that, and I was like, okay. Yeah, what I had to that? look it up, too. Yep. And to be libraries. perfectly honest, I had to as well. Um, so I was lucky enough to be in a breakout session at VMworld with Kyle Ruddy and Luke Deakins, and um, some of my code wasn't the prettiest, and, and Luke is actually the one who introduced me to splatting, and once I started down that rabbit hole, it really became apparent to me that it, in the right situation, it can be a really great way to clean up your code and make things more readable. Rather than just having these long lines that run together, you can, you can pull out the parts that you want into a splat and uh, clean it up. But like I say in the article, oh. the best part about splatting is you can say splatting or splatting the gooey, as my wife likes to say. So this is going to be like a fight club thing where we're not going to actually tell you what splatting is. You're just going to have to know what splatting is to then to be able to talk about splatting. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what is splatting? So splatting is a special type of array, if you will. It's a hash table with key value pairs. 
So if you think about PowerShell, you've got your commandlet, and then you've got the parameters, and then a value that goes with the parameter. What you do in a okay. splat is you take out the parameter and the value you're assigning to it, and you put in this hash table, and you build out your hash table with your various parameters, and you pass that to the commandlet rather than the individual switches. And uh, like someone saying in the chat, yeah, it's just like a dictionary. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's a convenient way of passing in, you know, variables without having a big string of variables. Yeah, and as you're polishing up your script, like I say in the article, you're probably not going to use uh, this type of a hash table right out of the gate, but as you polish up your scripts, put them into production, whatever the case may be, it's a way to clean them up and make it more readable and easier to use for other folks. It's nice. Very nice. Very nice. Right. Um, and you give some examples of that in your blog, so it's, it's easy to consume. So very, very, very good. Um, so, you know, you've, you've built this, you wrote this blog. Um, any other cool blogs? What are your favorite blogs that you've, you've, you've done lately? I don't know if this was your most recent blog or well, whether you've got other stuff going on. I, I, don't, I don't want to let Scott answer. I want to say that we just talked about doing, um, uh, you know, VMworld and the uh, uh, brown bag sessions uh, at VMworld. And, and Scott, you have a, an entry about doing exactly that. And uh, beforehand, you had something, uh, which was, uh, I really need to be scared more. I think that was the title. Too, that really one, I... Thank you. I, I, that one was one of my favorite ones to write, and I've gotten some really positive feedback, so I appreciate that. Um, I honestly, in the new year, I've had a little bit of a brain block. Uh, but uh, in terms of other community blogs, there's a ton of uh, PowerShell and PowerCLI community blogs out there. Um, you know, Luke Deakins I mentioned, Kyle, uh, William Lamb, those guys – uh, all have a lot of great content, and all I wanted to do with this was try and do my little bit to to give back a little bit to the community. So hopefully, I've done a little bit of that. I think you have. I think you have. I think it's a it's a neat thing. Most people just get right into here's what I've I've built, and you actually step back a little bit and said, hey, here are some techniques for building this stuff. So appreciate you doing that. Thank yeah, you. Appreciate brand. you guys having me on. Now, we need to get you out of the fog so that you can get ready to submit a paper for VMworld, right? So Absolutely. what do we got to do? You know, do we have to send you some vitamin D? Is it not very sunny in Vermont right now? You're going to get kind of in that, <laughs> in that cloud of no sunshine. What, what, what can we do? To, we'll, we'll send you a, a being on the podcast gift, and that will just spark you out of that. Uh, it's gray and 15 degrees here in Vermont, and I'm jumping in the lake this weekend for charity. Oh, oh wow. very nice. Great job. That'll Great job. something. Right. Very good. Well, Scott, thanks for being here. You're welcome to hang out on the podcast. We're going we're gonna to move to Joseph next. But Scott Driver, um, virtualvt.wordpress.com up in Vermont. Thanks for writing that article. And hopefully we'll see you at VMworld again this year. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, no problem. Okay, that's great. So Joseph Griffith, how are you? Am I saying your last name right? And uh, welcome to the show. I'm doing well. You are saying my last name right. And I'm a little stuck on this whole Vermont bling and the effect of jumping in a frozen lake on his Vermont bling right now, just between you and I. You know, it's bothering me a little bit. So yeah. I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, that's good. Where, Joseph, where do you, uh, where do you, where do you live uh, in the world? 
Well, I'm hailing from uh, northern Dallas, Texas. Uh, for those that are local to Dallas, they tell me that I actually live in Oklahoma because I live so far north in the Metroplex, but I'm from Dallas these days. So you won't be jumping into any frozen lakes, at least. I don't think <laughs> Texas gets that cold all the time to freeze things up. Hey, my swimming pool's still full of water right now. Don't worry about it. Uh, great, great. So you run the you you've got the virtual me blog, um, which is http colon slash slash blog dot dot com g r i f f i t h s dot org. You can Google him, I'm sure, and get to it. Um, and uh, you've been you run that blog. But before we get started with the blog, why don't you tell us a little bit of who you are, how long you've been in the VMware ecosystem, and what do you do these days? Yeah, so uh, I've been in the VMware ecosystem for almost 10 years. Um, I'm currently working as a uh, solutions architect for VMware. That's, I've been here about two years and loving the experience, having a great time working for VMware. My primary job is to go out and help customers uh, build notional roadmaps to achieve their business outcomes using a lot of VMware technology, hopefully. Uh, I'm a uh, double VCDX, so I've done that in the past and gotten really technical, but these days, I'm focusing a lot of my time on uh, business outcomes and thought leadership topics, more so than technology, even though the uh, blog post from today is a technology blog post. Right, but you're stepping it up into the business business space, right, and doing doing some of that work, which is great. You're yeah, at cool. uh, G-O-R-T-E-E-S on Twitter, so if people want to give you a follow, that's, I think, where, where, they, where they can follow you. And um, so the Virtual Me blog, how long have you been blogging? Uh, the, the first post on that particular blog was 2009, and uh, my own of doing it was uh, at the time I was working as a Solaris and Linux admin, and I, I kept Googling things and finding answers to my problems. And at some point I decided, you know, I'm solving some of these problems on my own without Googling and finding it on other people's sites. I need to give back to the community. So I started the blog as literally, literally a way for me to share stuff that I had done or how I fixed problems that I've run into to try to help other people out like they've helped me. Yeah, it's it's funny because we've been just talking about you know how community is really a, is isn't you come to the our drive platform and you search VMTN forms and find that but the community and community answers is in all of these blogs all of the expert content as well as people checking into GitHub you can go get GitHub projects William Lamb loves to solve things and check it into GitHub um, in his projects and so community and community answers and giving back is no longer going to a forums and posting a form entry or a document. Um, it's actually the ecosystem. So you're, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's a conversation, right? It's not just a poll. Yep. And people then can kind of micro-brand themselves, right, and be little kind of mini professional brands. A lot of people aren't doing it for that reason. They're just doing it because it's the way to share, and you can set up a blog and do that. So you've been doing this since 2009 on this blog, uh, so that sounds great. Um, we can now get into the blog, I guess, unless there's anything else you want to share with us before we drill down into the blog. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So the interesting thing about your blog here is that, um, you know, the basic NSX setup using the REST API, I think that was, you know, caught our attention when we were looking at all of the expert blogs in the blog stream. We kind of, we do this now once every three, four weeks, we go down and look through all the blogs and look at ones that, you know, the experts have done in the, in the RSS feeds for BlogBeat and then pull some out that we think are interesting. And obviously controlling, uh, setting up uh, NSX through REST API obviously got our attention and we went and started looking at it. 
it. Uh, but then we, we, we quickly realized that, you know, the first thing we had to look was at your blog that was how to set up your virtual environment using NSX, right? Because yeah. understanding how to do that first was, was kind of critical, which you have a blog uh, about as well. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into writing about the NSX uh, setup and then uh, continue on with uh, REST API you know, work that you did and then other things you want to talk about there. Sure. So uh, I was fortunate uh, about three and a half, uh, four years ago to have the opportunity for the company I was working for to investigate NSX and implementation of NSX around a number of different use cases. And at the time, I was able to have a, a number of consultants come in, one Elver Senesosa, who's a good friend now at this point, as well as other people come in and give me a, a deep dive on NSX. So when they came in, they gave me information that wasn't necessarily publicly available, but it's a lot more publicly available now because it was the early days of NSX, and it really piqued my interest. So I started messing around with NSX back then, and I've been doing a lot of things manually. Um, because I'm very interested in cloud and cloud automation as the future drivers for us, I started to pivot into, well, can I do this programmatically? Can I do this with Orchestrator or on vRealize Automation? And so that kind of naturally led me into, if you can do it manually, how do I do it programmatically? I think one of the key things for me is the idea that I have seen a huge shift um, from the time that I was a Linux admin where I used to type everything as root into servers to now where we are talking about server to admin ratios of 1,000 to 1. We just can't be manually doing things anymore. We really have to move right. away from being systems administrators to being site reliability engineers. You are going to say something, sir? Yeah. Yeah, we totally agree. Right. Um, Interesting enough, I'm, I'm wondering if actually virtualization itself, the SDDC concept actually promoted this and moved it a lot quicker because you just don't have physical, as many physical machines versus the number of virtual connections that you have in setting up a virtual infrastructure. Yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, with the virtualization, you're able to spin up a lot more, you know, actual virtual machines, you know, which, you know, each one would represent a physical in, in the real world. And and so the you know these ratios of you know twenty five or thirty to one you know per physical host uh, really promoted you know more and more virtual machines which you know we don't have a twenty five to thirty to one you know budget right. ratio for administrators right so we it almost forced this on us didn't it so we agree with your concept and and what your experience so we're all like yep sounds good you know just to, to add on to that I think. Um, we did create, VMware did create the issue with virtualization. Uh, I think that the business was moving that direction anyways, that the business moves toward technology and software really driving the world. Uh, recently, I tweeted about how I had created a script to go out and deploy 5,000 networks using NSX. You know, traditional uh, networking, if we were gonna, going to do that, that would take maybe weeks. And then we would run into the problem that we could only have 4,096 of them because of the VLAN number. Right? We right. couldn't go over that, and we ran into problems. I deployed 5,000 virtual networks in a half an hour using automation. That, that, that's mm -hmm. the reality of the world that we live in, is that we really need to start to do this fast. And so you know, this basic NSX setup is really focused in that idea, is I built it in the GUI, and then I said, okay, how quick can I build it in the API? You know, the GUI, it took me, someone who's done this many times before, 20 minutes. With the API, it took me one minute and I deployed a complete NSX environment ready to service virtual machine workload. That's the power that the API brings to the table is that we can take infrastructure that we've carefully created and configured exactly we want to and duplicate it either between sites or within the same site. I could deploy 12 of these inside 
and use network address translation to be able to make them unique environments. But that's a power that we've never had with networking. Yeah, even if you had uh, you know 50 people each you know doing uh, 10 or 100 hundred uh, virtual networks, the chance that they're all going to do them exactly the same way, you know, uh, correctly is uh, probably pretty small, right? So your repeatability also is, is there as a, as a feature. It's a huge part of it, in my opinion. I mean, that, that's to me the, the big win here is that we can take a, a base template, change one or two entries in it, uh, change a name, and we are able to enforce exact compliance to our standards. And we're able to bring up and tear down just as fast because when I think about this concept, I really think about infrastructure as code, you know, and the idea that we have a considerable problem when we start to deploy infrastructure as code that we have to be able to define networks in a way that we can deploy networks, deploy network security constructs, and remove them just as fast. And, and you know, part this post was really about illustrating that, you know, what I just showed you how to do in another post with the GUI that took me. 200 lines of text and a whole bunch of showing you how to do it, I can do it in two seconds by just cutting and pasting this code. That's a right. huge value toward infrastructure as code because if I can paste that together with some other REST API commands to deploy virtual machines, I can duplicate whole environments. I mean, to me, use cases like disaster recovery are almost immediate on this. I can duplicate my production network with a click of a button. Really so I, I, looked at, I looked at your, at your blog and... Um, yeah, I, I had some general questions, and, and so in case community members that that haven't done some of this stuff before go out and start looking at this, there's a couple things that uh, I I wanted to know, uh, and maybe this is relevant, maybe it's not. But uh, when you're looking at this, um, what what do I need to get this running? What do I use? You know, like do I have a web server? Do I can I run this against? Uh, how do I run it against ESX that has the REST APIs enabled? What do you have to kind of do in your home lab to get this set up so you could actually go run this thing? Great question. Um, so the methodology here requires that you have a vCenter and, and an NSX manager deployed, and then there's a, a few constructs at the beginning of the post talking about how we I've done the routing. Um, because I hand over certain networks from my core router to NSX. After that, uh, I used Postman, which is a common REST client. You could also use Orchestrator to send this XML commands into the REST API, which is nothing more than setting up a REST endpoint in Orchestrator or just pointing Postman to the NSX manager. And send these uh, XML commands, and you're done. That's all you need to do to do this. Not That's the piece that I didn't understand. Looking at, I was like, "What do I? How do I do this?" So I, I assume that most people that were going to go try to build, you run REST APIs to configure your NSX network might have already done some more basic tasks around REST API for setting up VMs and the other things, right? That are maybe a little more simple to do before you tackle your your network setup using this. But for me, looking at it, I was I was uh, I, I questioned how 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 you would run this stuff. Yeah, and I think yeah, Postman is a Natural first step, right to, to interacting with the uh, RESTful interfaces. Yeah, for for me, um, you want to uh, start out with Postman because it's really easy to interact with, easy to get input back and understand the input, and start with Git. Um, for anyone who may not be familiar with REST, because I run into a lot of people, and it definitely is more complex than PowerCLI. To Scott's comment earlier, um, the best place to start against REST is, is to understand that REST is just making calls to specific websites or URLs and returning information or sending information in a post. That's all that REST does. And so you understand that everything is either a, a get or a post or a put. 
And if you understand that, then that's basically the way it works. And based on the URL you use, you're doing different things. For example, if I use the URL uh, forward slash edges, or I would then be talking about all the edges. If I use forward slash edges forward slash a specific edge ID, then I'd be talking about just that one edge. And that's the way it works. And all this is extremely well documented thanks to the work that Luke Deakins and others have done at VMware to give us an explorer that allows us to look through this and understand what we're going to get back from it. But Postman really is the first place to start. And there's a number of good articles, including on my um, blog, about how to use Postman to get started with that. I feel like there was a session about getting started with RESTful APIs and VMware uh, products. And if there wasn't, then that's a great idea for a session submission. I'm just I, I, I know, out there. Yeah. I know there's been some V brown bags, and there was definitely a VMTN last year on it. The Chris, um, uh, boy, his name eludes me right now, but he gave it last year as a VMTN. But it is a good point. Yeah, I think it was a series, right? It wasn't it wasn't just one session. Yeah. So I have um, in in now, if you're moving in REST, one of the questions in the chat is why REST rather than Power CLI. Um, there's no Power CLI available yet for NSX. I, I, I don't think that's the case, but uh, why REST? Mm, yeah, good question. It, it's a really good question. So uh, I look at it this way. Uh, I often have this conversation with people, and I gave a, a lab around Orchestrator at the Austin VMUG last week, and this conversation came up because almost everybody's comfortable with Power CLI. Uh, Power CLI gives you a series of commands, and certainly you can do REST calls from within Power CLI. But it is a rail. Um, you can only work within what those commands do unless you go straight to the REST API. When you go straight to the REST API, you fully expose everything the developers are willing to give you, and so you have more options. Um, there are commands and PowerCLI commands created to do a lot of the NSX and the Power NSX functions. But at the end of the day, um, the REST API calls are less likely to be depreciated, and there's something that you can automate uh, much quicker via orchestrator in a fashion that you can use across the board. For me, learning REST API was really about understanding, having a common language that you can use in a lot of different environments. It doesn't apply to NSX. It applies to a lot of other vendors' products out there and uh, applies to a lot of other things that VMware provides so that we can really orchestrate all these products together to be able to create that infrastructure as code. Um, so for me, it was about learning a common language that gives me that background that everything is moving toward right now. Yes. There's a piece of me that also believes that web programmers generally use REST APIs to get and 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 do things, uh, you know, to other services, and that that's almost like a standard, right? That yeah, definitely a standard. I'm building a web app. I'm not. I, I would have to go learn Power CLI and figure out how to get that set up. And where if 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 you're a web programming programmer and you have a REST API available to you, you're very familiar with how to pass and get data, post and get data back from a REST API interface. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I, I, I've learned over my many years of experience dealing with traditional system administrators and virtualized administrators that they're people who have to learn and take on new challenges every single day. And I think that they can learn REST relatively easily. It's not that far out of their skill set. And by doing that, that opens up a world of other things that they can automate that they haven't been able to automate in the past. And if they were to wait for those companies to release, uh, shall I say, PowerShell modules or something like that, they're limiting their options a little bit. I do think it's a standard and it's beneficial yeah. to learn it. Yeah, yes, and that's what I was talking about where you move from being an IT administrator and you kind of move to the right up the curve to being a full-on engineer. And most engineers now are building web apps, which are all you know 
based on you know, web web servers with mm-hmm. with it, and that's how you how you how you interface with those things. And so, as our IT administrators have to start to automate and then start allowing uh, application developers to control infrastructure directly from their apps, then they need to be able to how to communicate that and 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 be able to articulate what what is doable in the infrastructure to those engineers. So it's kind of like coming into that center DevOps area where you can talk REST API to engineers and maybe you're using it to control infrastructure in your own world, but then you're also supporting engineers that are going to start building infrastructure control directly into applications. Absolutely. And this automation is, you know, something that's not, I mean, it's, it's more than 30 years old, right? right? So scripting, you know, bash scripting, Perl scripting, as a Linux system administrator was something, you know, that was just standard, right? Because, hey, I don't want to have to do this times 100 hosts, right? Well, now we're, you know, doing it at an even larger scale and the tools are slightly different, but it's still the same thing. It's pulling information, it's validating it, it's seeing what's out of, uh, out of our standard and, and remediating it programmatically rather than by hand. Yeah. Now, I think, uh, I think- Oh, I just make a quick comment. I think what you just expressed is really key to the reason why I do like um, REST API is that, um, you know, even though REST is a stateless thing where we go and get information, um, to me it's about automating the whole life cycle, not just initial deployment, but ensuring compliance throughout the life cycle. And, and I think that using tools like REST give you a little bit better functionality in doing that than maybe the PowerShell itself exposes without getting into being a PowerShell developer. Now, when it comes to NSX config, I don't think that application developers are going to be dynamically shifting networks around during uh, during an app run, um, but possibly. But uh, it is interesting that, that, that you've done it, and I think it's neat. Um, what else would you like to share with us? We got maybe t- you know ten more minutes left on 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 this subject. Um, what else have you learned about NSX in general uh, now that you've been using it and you've been developing it? Are there some other key things you'd like to talk about? Yeah, for me, um, NSX is the missing link um, between creating the infrastructure as, component, as code that's been missing for a long time. And, and so when I approach it, I'm amazed by how it takes a standard problem that's existed for a long time and puts it up on, on its ear and gives us the functionality and features that we've needed for a long time so that we can really focus in on the core business issues, right? Let's go make the ERP faster. Let's go make the website run faster. Let's not worry about how to stretch networks between sites. Let's just let NSX handle that. To me, NSX is is a huge enabler of really great and good things, as well as adding a whole bunch of of new um, paradigm shifts around uh, security. So so I'm a really big fan of NSX, and I find it actually has one of the best APIs out there. Uh, And uh, it's very easy to interact with, very easy to get information out of, very easy to work with once you understand the basics, and it's, it's a good place actually for people to start learning REST API, in my opinion. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about the the business value, and and when you're now working, you know, at VMware, are you are you, are you seeing conversations starting to shift away from the core technologies itself and like up level into like what's the business value? I look at kind of the shift there. We talk about applications, and it's it's really all about applications and application delivery. It's not about just creating virtual infrastructure in your data center anymore. Data center anymore. It's about what's the most efficient way to uh, offer up applications in a dynamic way that helps the business. Do you see those kind of conversations starting to happen now? 
Yeah, I, I, a lot of my time and focus is spent on that exact conversation. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we just need to be able to quickly deploy rowboats. We don't need to spend time building rowboats. Um, and, and, you know, to your point of NSX and the business value, the real value of NSX is the ability for us to tie in to the CI pipeline and for developers to be able to deploy whole environments of infrastructure configured in a synchronous way so that they don't have environment drift to deal with when they're testing codes, functionalities, so they can really drive toward having a faster time to market for new features. But while removing all of the uh, non-standard uh, human error problems that have come in before that create so much risk. So for me, that, that's the real business value of NSX is, uh, you know, not only can we deploy the whole environment like this in code, but we can do it 200,000 times if we need to and delete them five minutes later because there's uh, to do the deletion of this, you just do a delete against the same URL uh, with the edges and you can delete them just as fast as you create them. It's a very powerful I'm feeling that we're fine. I'm sorry? Uh, we need to start. We need to spend our time uh, deploying robots, not building robots. I'm stealing that. You got, you got it. How much of the, how much are you experiencing with regard to in production running applications versus the the test and dev tear down? Uh, you know, speedy speedy do these for a while because you want to do something and then rip it down. Uh, wh what are you exposed to there? So I, I think that it's a natural outcropping that if you're using the technology for your dev test speed up, speed down that you go ahead and use the exact same technology for your production so that you uh, avoid any kind of drift that may come and be caused by that. I think that you know a lot of our customers that have started out with it being focused around the development of efforts have quickly moved it into production. And I'm seeing other customers who, who definitely deployed NSX in production and, and are looking to go out there and deploy it. I mean, one of the, the struggles I see is that I think a lot of people have a boundary that they feel like nobody else is doing it. Um, the answer is there's a lot of people out there that are building CI CD pipelines uh, based on VMware technology with other technologies put together. There are a lot of people out there that are automating IT and truly, you know, uh, building uh, 100 rowboats or 100 golf carts instead of trying to build a Porsche or a custom performance vehicle every time, right? But there's a lot of people that are doing this now. And, and it's totally possible, doable. There are some things that you have to accept organizationally to do that, but it is a huge win for these organizations that are able to take on that change. It's, uh, I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, point um, because every once in a while you do need a Porsche, right? But if you were spending all your time building a Porsche for every time that you needed a, a golf cart, then you're, uh, then you're out of time, right? So if you, yeah. if you build all the golf carts and you know, actually fo focus in on that Porsche use case, and, uh, and you're golden. Well, and I think there's a paradigm shift here, and, and this is the way that I like to look at it, is that um, it, it, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of zombie apocalypse movies. And in zombie apocalypse movies, you know, uh, they quite commonly build this big old fort. They, they find some way to protect themselves in a building. They bar themselves up there. And it's a great place to be protected against the zombies until the zombies break in. And then the fort becomes their own graveyard because it's just as hard for them to get out as they get in. I think that we've run into this same problem um, when it comes to the fact that a lot of people are adopting multi-cloud at this point. And, uh, you know, to me, it's really about us creating a secure construct around the individual workload instead of around the whole uh, environment or the whole infrastructure or the whole site. Um, and, and that's the only way we're going to be able to protect it. So that, that's another real business use case that comes out of um, NSX at this point for a lot of people, in my mind. Cool. 
Well, all right. So uh, we have a few more minutes. So I thought we would just mention your blog again, blog.jgriffith.org, G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H-S.org. And uh, you have another article up already, I see. So just give that a shout out as well. So you have the basic NSX, uh, basic NSX set up using your API, but now you have also their operational aspects of HCI that went up uh, after that. So um, what are you planning for 2018? Are you going to come to VMworld? Any other things you want to talk about? What you're thinking about blogging next? That's a good question. So I'm looking forward to speaking at VMworld. I had the pleasure of having a, a session last year as well as two VMTNs. Thank you, by the way, for your support of that. Huge fan of uh, V Brownbag and v- VMTN. Uh, so that's definitely on, on the list. I'm talking about a couple different subjects right now. Um, and uh, the, the blog post that's coming up that I've been working on for a while now is uh, entitled, uh, Good News, Your IT Shop is Ugly. So I look forward to reading that one. It'll be a less, it, it'll be a less technical topic, but it'll be, I've been formulating it for a while. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. I like ugly cables all ratted up, but I'm sure that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, wait and see. <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to to the next article. Um, we love that you're in the Blogbeat stream and the Blogger program and that you like VMTN. Uh, it's all the community ecosystem, as we talked about earlier. So uh, cool stuff. So go check out uh, his blog. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, I don't think you can like it. I don't think you can even follow it. I'm not sure. I'm just scrolling around. Subscribe, okay, right. can, some, can you subscribe to your blog? Uh, you can certainly retweet. You can share it. There's an RSS up top, and uh, I'll just say that it's a weird mix of me ranting and uh, technical stuff. So you've got to have a strong stomach to be able to absorb all of my blogs. I saw the things that say "skip here" if you don't want to, you know, listen to what Joseph has to say <laughs> and go look for the technical articles. But you know, that's that's what's great about you know being a self-publisher. You get to you get to do whatever you want because it's your site. Whatever so. you want. Whatever you want, it's all good. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show, and um, as well as Scott, thanks for being here. I see you still on the chat, so thanks for both of you being on the show, being part of the V-Expert Showcase series of our podcast. We're going to try to do these at least once a month, bring in some uh, bloggers. So if you have an interesting blog that you want us to talk about, uh, shoot Elsa Mayer, your blogger program contact, a piece of mail, and she'll add you to our list. Very exciting. Yep. John, good to see you. Corey, also good to see you. Um, we will be on yep, next week you. again. And uh, we always do a shout out to uh, Katie Bradley, our you know our, our technician uh, who's doing the live stream. Thanks a lot, and we appreciate all the people that are watching the live stream as well. Even though yep. we're just kind of boring guys sitting at a table doing the podcast, but uh, we do get three or four thousand people clicking on that on that link, so we appreciate it. And uh, we'll That's see. Why I'm wearing the jacket. We'll, <laughs> We'll see everybody again next week. Thanks for downloading us on TalkShoe, and uh, have a great week.